Welcome to Fresh Perspective, a podcast presented by Recycling Today. Fresh Perspective features young professionals in the scrap and recycling industry, offering insights from the next generation of industry leaders. Guests share their stories of what led them to the scrap industry and new ideas on industry trends. Tune in to hear stories from scrap processors, traders, operators, and more who are starting to lead in this space. Fresh Perspective is beginning an ongoing dialogue with future executives of the industry. Hi, my name is Megan Smalley, and I'm with Recycling Today magazine. Welcome to the Fresh Perspective podcast. I'm here today with Josephita Harry, who is the Vice President of Non-Ferrous Metals and Electronic Scrap Sales at Pan American Zinc, which is based in Miami. Josephita has been involved in trading non-ferrous scrap metal for the past decade, spending the last six years of her career with Pan American Zinc. So thanks for coming on the show today, Josephita. How's everything going? Hi, Megan, and hello, everyone. It's a wonderful day, and I'm excited to be a part of this podcast. Awesome. Now, to get things started, tell me a little bit, what first spurred your interest in recycling, and how did you get into the industry about a decade ago? I have to go back in time to school days. When I was 13, we did a school project Um, It was uh, hosted by the National Children's Science Congress in India under a focal theme of um, waste management and a sub-theme of clean up India. For many months, me and a group of five other classmates back then, uh, we did a project on recycling paper. Um, We spent a few minutes every day after school going to every classroom and picking up all the waste paper that was strewn around. We collected it over over several weeks, and then we learned various ways we could recycle it and make something totally beautiful out of what was trash. So that was my first ever introduction to recycling. But little did I know that there was a whole industry around it or one could make a career out of it. So I had to then find that out many years later through my travels, once upon a time in Dubai, which was about a, 10 years ago. I did meet my old boss 10 years ago who introduced me to the industry. Um, at that time, I didn't know that there were jobs in recycling or you could one could make a career out of it. All I knew was I wanted to travel the world, that I wanted to make a difference and I wanted to talk to people. And he said, well, this industry offers all three. Why don't you give it a shot? And here I am almost a decade later, loving what I do. And it's been a great journey so far. Well, between school and before recycling, um, I'm an engineer, I come from an engineering background, um, electronics and instrumentation, Um, grew up in India, went to school in India. Like many others, I joined the information technology industry. I was in it for almost a decade um, with tech consulting, which was, great. I just didn't love it enough to make a career out of it. Got it. So then when you got into scrap trading about 10 years ago, what were some of your first impressions and, you know, what were your first few years like in the industry? The first few years in the scrap and recycling world was a lot of information, a lot of new things to learn, also a lot of things to unlearn. The world that I was used to before recycling, berry and candy meant things you eat, 
and honey was your sweetheart or tense meant an emotion that you didn't want to be in. And in the recycling world, all of that is a kind, it's a type of material or is a type of metal. And there was so much to learn, a lot of information, a lot of really cool qualities within scraps. So it was, I was like a sponge learning from everyone I came across and everything that I came across. I asked a lot of questions. It was a lot to, to take in. Thanks to everyone in the industry who have helped me get this far, being kind to reply and answer to all my questions and, and help me evolve to become the person I am today and a place to give back. Yeah, there definitely is a lot to learn in the scrap industry. So when you first joined the industry, did you intend for this to be a long-term career or was it something that you thought I might try this for a year or two and try something else? What, what was your initial reaction and thought? My initial thought was that I was going to be open about it. I wasn't sure if I could see myself in this or this is going to become a career for me or like many people in in the recycling world today say that this is all I know and this is what, what I've done and this is what I will do forever. I didn't know that 10 years ago, but today I can say with certainty, I see myself in this very long term and I love what I do and I'm so grateful that I've found this industry and I can make a career out of it. And certainly coming from outside the industry and making a new career out of it, you probably met people who served as mentors to you. So could you tell me a little bit about who have been those mentors to help you learn the most in the scrap industry? And what were some of those lessons that you learned from them? Absolutely. You know, coming from outside the industry, I didn't know anything. And, um, I had to start learning everything from scratch, unlike many other careers where schools kind of provide a platform to learn. In the recycling industry, you've never really learned too much about anything. So my first mentor in the industry is the one I work for, who taught me a lot about different qualities of scrap and uh, the nomenclature of things and just A to Z of a lot of different metals and related things to metals. And since I've joined Pan American Zinc, uh, our current CEO, Dan Margenberg, is one of my mentors um, as well. I learned a lot from him, um, a lot to do, a lot about people handling, patience, which the industry teaches you a lot of. Outside of people who've been, who I've been in touch with on a day-to-day basis and work, um, there's a lot of ment- people who've served as mentors who've had the patience to, to explain things to you when you don't know what it is or if it's a challenge that you're faced with because I don't come with a lot of experience in this industry, but I know there are people who are, who are ahead of me who've been in it for decades and it's easier to learn from other people's experience than having to make the mistakes and learn it yourself. Um, so I'm grateful to all of them who've shared their experiences and their knowledge um, that they've learned over the years. And that's one of the greatest things about the recycling industry. People are happy to share, people are happy to help. Um, I guess all we need to do is feel free to reach out and don't be so afraid to ask a question if you don't know. Um, that's the only time you actually have to say that, hey, I don't know this. Can I learn this? And can you tell me more about it? And um, there are a lot of people that step up to to help. Awesome. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it was helpful having all those people guiding you 
in your early years and even as you switched to Pan American Zinc. So with that, could you tell me about your time at Pan American Zinc the last few years here? You know, what's the company culture like there and what is your role within the company? I joined Pan American Zinc about six years ago as a non-ferrous trader. I buy and sell um, metal scrap and recycle in about 50 countries. And today my role, I serve as the vice president for um, sales for all non-ferrous and electronic scrap. I head the scrap division and I help with um, selling for all, all the other traders as well. We are a fairly new company in the United States or in the US market. Um, our roots go back to 30 years in France and people know us in Europe, but in, in the US, we're fairly, being fairly new. We're like the new kids on the block. And we started out doing zinc, but today we do all different non-ferrous metals. And um, the first few years was about building new relationships and uh, building new customers and suppliers and establishing ourselves here. And we all come from our employees, um, all of us, we come from different backgrounds and different countries and we all speak different languages. So it, it's in a way a hodgepodge of cultures. Between us, I think we speak 10 to 12 different languages. Um, English is the common language and I am probably the only one in the company that doesn't speak Spanish, uh, but I do speak three other Indian languages. Coming from various cultures, I think it's very important to have core values that bind us and that all of us can, can embrace. I'd say food is one of them that's super easy to embrace. Um, that makes things lighter and easier to connect with in terms of what culture we all try to focus a lot on balance, on, on finding a good work-life balance, on giving our best at work. And in order to do that, we all have to be happy within ourselves, in our families, in our homes. And, to do that, we have to take the time to connect with ourselves and our families. And having a sense of balance has been an important part of our work culture or in Panamerican Zinc, we, we give a lot of focus to that. Not very strict about uh, days and times and hours as much as what's the value we deliver to our customers or suppliers or clients. And that's been the focus is um, how can we serve better? How can we give back better than this is a nine to five job or, you know, the things we put our focus and time and efforts to is, is how do we do better and who can we serve and how can we serve? Um, in, in order to do that, we have to start with ourselves and our families. Um, and hence having a good work-life balance helps and goes a long way. Got it. Any tips on achieving that work-life balance that you're mentioning? Since I think that's something a lot of people have been wondering with the pandemic, companies are trying to figure that out. I think this is one of um, the things that I personally haven't been good at that I've been learning from my colleagues. Um, and I would say even from Dan, when it's time for lunch, everybody says, have a happy lunch, have a happy meal. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, I'm just sitting in front of my laptop or my computer or and my phone and having a bite on the side. So I've been more conscious about taking the 30 minutes to just sit and enjoy my meal and be grateful for the meal I'm eating today. And at dinner time, I try to sit with my family and 
eat a meal together and value it and put my phone aside. And this is one of the greatest things I've learned from my colleagues and from my company is, is to value the people in our lives. I'm also trying to do that when I'm at meetings and when I'm at conferences, when I'm with people, to not look at my phone and focus on being present with them. So I would say start small by just being present for the people around you. So are there any new projects at Pan American Zinc this year that you're excited about, that you would like to share more about? We started as a very small company seven years ago. Um, I was one of the first few employees, not the first, but one of the initial team. And it's it's been amazing to be a part of something small and evolving and growing. And now, I mean, we're still small, but we've been growing over the years. And it, it's, it's been very gratifying to see how the company is growing and all the people we have in our team today. Two or three years ago, we were South Florida's one of the fourth fastest growing company, which was incredible. And we've been growing year, year after year uh, in terms of revenue, profitability, tonnage, all of that. But we've also hired more people last year. And this year, our focus is going to be on consistency, on growth and consistency. It's been good to grow year after year, but we also have to make sure that the quality of our service is consistent as it was in, in the earlier years. And as we expand as a company and there are more people on board, it's also important to make sure that everybody has the same core values and to imbibe and embrace those values and grow with consistency is, is our focus. And on a side note, we we still call ourselves Pan American Zinc and we do all different metals. Um, so probably somewhere down the line, we might consider changing our, the name of the company to include other metals or Pan American metals. Now, when you're not busy at Pan American Zinc, what do you do for fun? I am a person of many hobbies. Earlier in my life, um, when I was in the tech consulting industry, I used to live in Chicago and I picked up um, many different forms of dancing. And at some point I used to compete in swing and country dancing. And that was a big part of my life before I started this industry. And I used to do a lot of it. And I also used to golf. Um, golf still stays with me because people in the, this industry still golf and we have a lot of golf outings. Dancing is one of those things that I miss a little bit. However, since the pandemic, you know, we've all had to stay confined at some point or the other, and there was a lot less socializing to do. So I had to pick up some new hobbies. And um, one of the things I learned from the recycling industry that a lot of our, the, the people we meet in different parts of the world, one of the common things that connects everyone is food. Even when we are meeting people who don't speak the same language, one of the things that that we can instantly connect with is different kinds of food, get to know their culture through the food. Um, so I've spent a lot of time recently trying to deconstruct food I've eaten in different parts of the world and trying to cook or prepare them. And that's how I keep myself busy this year. That's awesome. It definitely seems like the kind of year or the kind of years, I should say, plural now where, yeah, <laughs> you gotta be flexible with your hobbies, do different things for sure. So back to the scrap industry, you know, your role is in trading. So 
What have scrap markets been like this past year for non-ferrous metals and electronic scrap? And how has your company worked through any market-related changes? Scrap markets um, in general are very cyclical. Um, there are highs and lows. And in the middle of all this, there are challenges that are completely unrelated. It could be related to politics, a currency, or bad weather, or a pandemic. At the end of the day, we're all in it, and we do the best we can to get through any challenges. The last year has been very good on the whole for, for all of us, for the most part. It's, it's, it's been one of those years where everyone around the world can say we had a good year. Um, or probably one of the best years in the last decade. Uh, so uh, despite being challenging, it's also rewarding to have one of those good years. And what I can say about this year is that it's still going through its cycles and um, we're riding it as we always do. Got it. And what do you see as some of the biggest challenges in the scrap industry today? And why would you say those are challenges? One of the biggest challenges that we've been facing since last year going into this year is the supply chain problem. I'd like to say problem more than an issue because I think problems have a solution. Issues just are things that are open to discussion and we don't know if we can fix them. So I'll use the word problem going forward. Supply chain in terms of um, export on the container and trade side and domestic in terms of getting trucking, it's all been a little bit of a nightmare. Um, and the process of getting all of it aligned from getting a booking to having a container available to getting the drage and all aligned, it's, it's a lot more work than it used to be. And we thought this was just going to be a very short-lived thing in 2021, but it seems to continue into 2022 or probably getting worse. But the good news is we've all had experience with dealing with it in 2021 that we've just gotten better at accepting that this is a problem and we can work around it or find a solution, um, be it working extra hard or working as a team within not just within the organization, but relying on our partners, be it different trucking companies or drage companies or freight forwarders, um, everyone step up to deal with this problem on the whole. We couldn't do it without the best partnerships that we have. And I'm also curious, are there any new technologies that you or your company see and are hopeful that the industry might embrace more? And if so, what are some of those technologies that you're optimistic about? In the short term, I would say um, embracing um, business intelligence and reports would be would be a good way to go because we all have data in, in different formats and different places available to us. If we can get it all together to make meaningful sense of it, then it would help us to prepare or measure or take corrective action based on that. And in the long term, I think two things that I believe would be the future in the next five years or five to 10 years would be artificial intelligence and blockchain. I believe the combination of AI and blockchain is probably going to be the way the future for, not just for recycling, but 
the world as a whole, AI, for example, could probably give us a well-informed information on, let's say, containers today, there's, there's port congestion in a different part of the world. AI would help it, would make it better for us to know ahead of time that, hey, there's a port con congestion in XYZ port in, say, China, which means containers are not going to come back to you in this part of the world anytime soon. So you can already anticipate what you need to do, what corrective actions you could take, or how you could be better prepared. Um, so the speed of how information is available and how data is available um, and the consistency of it um, would all be better with AI, especially in the supply chain world, which would be very helpful for the recycling industry. And blockchain makes all of this way more secure. So a combination of both would help businesses scale better, make better decisions, be more prepared. And of course, um, information is valuable it would probably be the way forward. I mean, I'm saying five to 10 years, I'm sure there are companies that have already embraced it and are exploring it. Um, we'll find out sooner than later. Now, as a final question, where do you see the scrap industry heading in the next few years, in addition to some of those technologies we've talked about? I believe the recycling industry has very great potential to grow and evolve. It's one of those industries that actually does make the world a better place. You know, recycling helps in conserving energy, which has been one of those big major problems in the world uh, today. The more we recycle, the better it is for the future generations. The little known fact is that it also contributes to the economy. It creates so many jobs. I just think people don't know there are jobs that exist in recycling. So the more awareness we create about the industry on the whole and what it can do, it is better for the industry and the world in a way that we attract more people into it and people in turn can help grow the economy and make the, place, the world a better place. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today, Joe. Thank you for your time, Megan. It was a pleasure. Mm -hmm.